All right, so 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. If you guys would open up there, that would be awesome. I've got the, the text up on the screen as well, so you can follow along. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, sorry, verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would work through this time. Lord, I am so well aware of my deficiencies and my weaknesses, Lord, but we look to you as the strong one here. And Father, I ask that your word would minister to us, encourage us, point us towards you, Lord, and to respond in the way that you would have for each and every one of us. Amen. <clears throat> so one of the most common things to all humanity, something that we all share, is hardships, suffering, uh, weakness, things that don't go well. We suffer in different ways. Not everybody's suffering and challenges are the same or to the same degrees. Um, I look back at my life and I look out at you guys and I think that I've got it pretty good compared to some of you in lots of different ways that you've shared with me and I've been able to have the honor and privilege to be able to walk with you in. But suffering is suffering. And I heard a pastor one time say that you are either uh, coming out of suffering, you're in the middle of it, or this afternoon you're going to get a hard phone call. I mean, that's the way of life, right? I mean, that, that is the world that we live in. It is so common to us. And there's a, one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis is he says that God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks to us in our conscience but he has a megaphone, he screams in pain. And isn't that such an amazing thing to, through Scripture? Just all the laments that are in there, the hardships and the realities of Scripture. You know, I've joked about it before that I think it's really annoying that a lot of times in Christian radio, their tagline is positive hits, you know, as if positivity and just positiveness is the way of life and the way of Christianity and the way of human humanity. It is not. Scripture, unlike most of what we hear on Christian music, is more in line with reality <laughs> and how life is broken. You know, there's 150 psalms. More than a third of them are laments. It is the largest category of psalms is laments. There are more lament psalms than praise psalms. I mean, just think about that. More lament psalms than praise psalms. God understands the reality of our life, even if, you know, when we come together, you know, we put on our best, we look our best, even if within the body of Christ and the world, we're kind of just putting on a happy face. God gets the reality of it. 
And we've been going through this series called Harvest on Mission, and we've been walking through our vision statement. I'm going to put it up on the screen again. He says, it says, we want to see all people walking together with God, bearing fruit for his kingdom. We want to be good. We need to be equipped. We need to have tools for dealing with suffering that we're in right now so that we can walk together with God in the middle of suffering. Because the Bible has so much to say about suffering, I'm not, I can't cover it all today. I'm just going to be looking at this text and this, what it says here. But I do think it's a theme we need to be coming back to regularly because this is life. This is the world that we're in. This is reality. It's hardship. One passage that comes to mind in terms of the one another's is Galatians 6.2. It says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ. I love that. Because the law of Christ is that the strong lays himself down for the weak to lift them up. And so when we bear one another's burdens, we're, we're doing what Jesus does. It's like, I see you're under a lot. I want to, let me take some of that load on. I'm going to help you carry that. I'm strong right now. I can help you carry it because you're weak right now. That's what Paul's saying there. And that's the model that we have in Jesus. So here's the big idea for this text. We experience God's power when, it, we, when we see our weakness as an asset, not as a hindrance. When we see our weakness as a hindrance, or as an asset, not as a hindrance. You know, guys, as I've been dealing with this text this week, I mean, I guess it's just the way it is. I mean, God just starts to pull on you and pull on little threads. And you start to see, like, I am so weak. I mean, I, I start to feel the, the, my insecurities and my inabilities and the things that I'm not good at, the, the, the obstacles that I feel like, man, if I could just get past this thing, then, boy, past that would be, man, I'd really be going, things would be going great. God has worked on me, and I, I just wanted you guys to think about what is the thing that you're suffering in right now? You know, is it, is it a, a financial issue, a health issue, um, a relational issue. Um, maybe it's the pain of somebody that's close to you that's going through something and you're walking with them and it's hard. Is there something where you have been earnestly praying and asking God, Lord, please fix this. Please fix this. If this was fixed, then I could do whatever it is. And I think that if that's you, and I believe that's all of us, I know that it's me, then this text is for us. And God wants to change our perspective on our weakness. He wants to ch change your perspective from a roadblock, from something that's holding you back, from something that's uh, causing you to limp. And if I wasn't limping, then I could run. Change it from being a, har a hardship and a weakness, a hindrance to an asset. You know, and even think about, you know, last week when we were looking at uh, with uh, Ephesians 6. Remember in all about prayer? Remember he's talking about the armor of God and he said, also pray for me. And remember how he described himself? As an ambassador in chains. An ambassador in chains. And I just love that because it's like, you think about 
Like, what's the job of an ambassador? Like, an ambassador's job is he's supposed to represent his nation in another foreign nation. And he goes and he stands before the dignitaries of that nation, and he stands up and gives speeches, and he, he makes himself visible to help bridge the gap between the cultures and to represent his nation and all the power structures of that nation. What good is an ambassador that gets arrested and thrown in jail? Right? I mean, that, we would say that that is, that is, I mean, there's a massive breakdown at that point, right? He's an ambassador in chains. I mean, Paul is not at all limited by those chains to do the thing that God's called him to do. Guys, we've got change in our lives. We've got things that are creating weakness in our lives. We've got things that are keeping us from being all that we think we can be. Is that a problem? Is that a hindrance? Or is that an asset? Let me walk back through. Let's just walk through the text again. I want to make sure that we really get it. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. In other words, Paul has seen such incredible things. God has shown him such incredible things. It'd be so easy for him to just, you know, puff out his chest. It's like he would just like walk in the room like, all right, Paul the Apostle is here, guys. You know, he's like, he'd have like an entourage, all the hype squad that's like, you know, pointing to him and just like, I mean, he would be the guy and he would come in. It's like, guys, you know what? I have healed people. In fact, one time I even raised this dude from the dead. You know, when I write letters, it's called the Word of God. I mean, it's like, guys, the Apostle Paul is in the house. All your problems are solved. What questions do you have? I've got the answers. I mean, it's like, that's the kind of stuff that he's been around. And God's saying, I don't want you to be conceited. So a thorn was given me in the flesh. And we don't know what that was. There's some theologians who give their theories. And, and the bottom line is we don't know. We have no idea. It's just something. It's like, think about, you ever heard of the term like a burr under the saddle? It's like there's something underneath the saddle that every time the horse moves, it just sticks them. You know, and, and in this case, he's got this thorn in the flesh. So instead of being able to pop out his chest and walk around with it like a big man, it's like he's got a, he's, he's limping. God allowed Satan to do it to him, which is another whole amazing thing. To harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. And that, I mean, doesn't that remind you of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, who three times prayed and asked God, if there's any way that we can do something other than the cross, Father, let's do that way, but not my will, but your will be done. I think the Apostle Paul is intentionally drawing our mind back to that. The Apostle Paul prays a prayer three times. The Son of God prays a prayer three times and is denied and is told no. But he said to me, so here's the answer. Here's God's answer to him. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, okay, well, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God's saying, guys, the grace that I gave you is sufficient. And let's not lose track of the fact that grace means it's unmerited favor. Like, Paul didn't deserve this 
thing that God gave him. So the thing that you don't deserve, Paul, is sufficient for what you need. Why? Because my power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, your weakness is a critical part of the power of God in your life. Paul, if you want my power in your life, then you've got to have the weakness too. Hand in hand. So then Paul's like, all right, that's true. Then I'm going to boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And he sums it up. For the sake of Christ then, I am content. And by the way, that, the Greek word there for content literally means to take delight in. I'm not sure why the ESV translators use the word content. But when I think of content, I think of like just sort of resigned to the situation. Like, okay, I guess this is the way it is. To take delight in. To take delight in is something beyond contentment, right? You're not, you're not content with the old beater car that you got. Like, okay, it gets me from here to there. You know what I mean? That, that's, you're content with that. But then when you get that dream car, it's like, I'm not just content. I am delighting in this dream car. You know what I mean? It's like, there's a significant difference between those two things. And, and here's another thing that's interesting. You remember a few weeks ago when we were looking, actually it was one month ago, last time we were here, and we were talking about, remember how the, God the Father uh, at the, the, um, um, the baptism of Jesus, remember what he said to him? You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Same Greek word. The Father is pleased in the Son. The Father isn't content with his Son. He is pleased with him. So, I, again, I don't know why they translate it content. But he says, I take delight. It's a step beyond in my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And I think that's like a way of saying everything that's hard and everything that makes me weak. In other words, not just the thorn in the flesh. The thorn in the flesh is the particular thing that he's dealing with at that moment. But this is like a sum up. Let's sum it up. Let's put it all in the, like whatever the junk is you got, we'll go ahead and throw it into that, that verse right there. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Whatever that weakness is, that hardship, that trial, that suffering, that difficulty, the thing maybe that you're saying, Father, please just fix this one thing. If you could fix this one thing, then I would be great. That's in this passage. That's in this verse right here. If that was fixed, then I could do more for your kingdom. Then I could accomplish everything that you want from me. Now, one of the things, too, that I, I feel like is really kind of keyed off for me is the, that word sufficiency. His grace is sufficient. And again, I kind of think of that word kind of like the contentment. When I think of, I don't know about you guys, when I think of uh, sufficient, I think of like good enough, not best necessarily. You know, like what's the sufficient grade to get the degree? Like, okay, it's a 2.0. So as long as I get C's, straight through college, then I'm going to get the degree or high school or whatever. That's sufficient to graduate. Now, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want sufficient, especially from God. <laughs> I don't want sufficient. I want, I want like the best. Like, you know, students, like hopefully you're going for the best you can get, right? You want to learn the, the information, not just get through it. Although sometimes that's necessary, I realize. But you see what I mean there? So I was kind of thinking about that passage, and what I think it's really key to think about this passage kind of like an equation. Think about the, what G, God says to him. So, so 
So Paul the Apostle says, God, if you could fix this thing, then I'd be able to go on and do what I need to do. And God replies to him with this equation. God's grace times my weakness equals the power of God in my life. God's grace times my weakness equals the power of God in my life. Because look, he, and then what is Paul's response to that? I mean, God says to him, Paul, if you want the power of me in your life, your weakness is the secret sauce. I mean, that, that is the ingredient necessary for that kind of success. So Paul responds says, okay, verse 9, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul's saying, I can't increase God's great, uh, grace, and I, so what can I do? Well, I'll just throw all the weakness into the, the multiplier. The bigger the weakness side gets, the greater the power. God's grace, that's a fixed amount, times my weakness. Let's throw it all in there. Boom, boom, boom. Throw it all in there. The bigger that number, the more power. That's Paul's response. He's like, okay, therefore, boom, here's all my weakness. I'm not holding any of this back. I'm not covering it up. I'm not hiding it. I'm not pretending like it's not there. Just throw it on. I want a bigger number past that equal sign. I want a bigger number right over there. So I think that that's what our mindset should be. Our mindset needs to shift from my weakness is what's holding me back to my weakness is actually an asset that is going to empower God in my life. That didn't come out right. God is never limited, but his power starts to be, become manifest in who I am. So I want to, th three things that I want us to think about here and how do I boast? Because that's the other word that I was really keying off of. It's like, so Paul's saying, okay, if that equation is true, then I want to boast. I want to boast. So what does that look like? And I, I have three things that I'm going to say. Weakness is an asset when I, number one, I own it. I don't just try to dump it. I own it. It's mine. I, I, I think when you look at the passage here, he says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, a messenger of Satan was sent. So this messenger of Satan, whatever that means, came and gave him this thorn in the flesh. And he prays earnestly to God three times, God, remove it, remove it. And then you go down to verse 9, he says, he turns it from messenger of Satan, thorn in the flesh, remove it to my weakness. This is mine. I'm, oh, this is like, I'm, I'm taking ownership of the reality of who I am. I don't, I don't have this particular thing. My health is not as strong as that person. My relationship is broken here. My finances, whatever, I mean, whatever it is, that's mine. I own that. Why? Because his power is made perfect in my weakness. Because when I am weak, I am strong. 
Guys, I think we spend way too much time just trying to minimize things, especially within the body, especially within our relationships, and, and hiding things and pushing things down. But let's own it. And I've just loved in some of the relationships that I've had with you guys, just how, how frank and honest you guys are. Like, here's the things that I struggle with. This is my struggle. This is an area where I'm tempted a lot. It's mine. I'm owning that. And I'm not just trying to deny it and discard it. Now, I want to be clear that I, I don't think there's anything wrong inherently with trying to avoid trouble, right? Or, or trying to fix problems. I'm not, I don't, we, we shouldn't be masochists here that are just trying to heap trouble on ourselves. I think, I think, in other words, you don't, you don't either, okay, now I get to go out there and just let's, let's go ahead and run the debt up to the maximum because the bigger our financial hole is, the better we'll be out. You know, it's like, I, I, don't, I don't mean that at all. What I mean is just this, it's, it's a mindset of changing these things from here are the things that limit me to now I see those things as assets and I'm going to own them. I'm going to own them, not, not deny them and try to push them away. And then secondly, we need to share it. Don't hide it. Paul says he's going to boast. Boasting is something you do to other people. <laughs> you boast to other people. Guys, here is what's messed up about me. <laughs> Here's the things that I wish were better and stronger, and I wish that I could do this, and I wish that this was fixed in my life. Guys, this is such an important thing, I think, of our relationships. One of the things that we're trying to instill as a body is, is authentic relationships where we're real with one another. We're not, we're not trying to be the perfect, pretty Christians that have it all together, that are fixed. Nobody in this room is fixed. Every single person in this room is broken. That is reality. And I want to live in reality. And guys, when we let other people into that and we share in it, like this is broken, and if this was fixed, then I could do all that, but that's who I am. That's where I am. That's what's happened to me. That's the ditch that I find myself in right now, right? We share it. We share it. Let's not hide it. Let's not pretend. And then third, we need to see it as a gift. See it as a gift, not a hindrance. You know, I've already explained that that word content actually means to take delight in. To take delight in. Guys, this is a, this is a massive mind, mindset shift. And, and I, don't, I don't want us to be just chipper, right? This is not like you know, force a smile on. It doesn't mean that. It's, it's, it's realizing that, okay, this is something that God has given me so that I can experience more of his power. I don't necessarily know what's going on or the why. I don't know why I can't have this or that or I can't get this issue solved. I don't know why I have to carry that burden. I mean, I don't know what it is in your life. But he has allowed that. He's given it to you so that the multiplier becomes more and more of his power in and through your life. I want to close with a quote. It's, it's a little bit extended quote, but I've got it up on the screen so that you can follow along. 
Johnny Erickson Tata is a woman that I admire greatly, and a lot of you know who she is. Um, she has a huge ministry. It's massive, all towards uh, people with disabilities. Um, she's got a famous story. As a young woman, I think she was 18 or 19, something like that. Actually, I think it was in Annapolis, Baltimore area. She dove into a lake, and the water was super shallow, and she broke her neck. And she has no use of her legs and very limited use of her, her hands and arms. Very limited. Um, and you can see in the wheelchair there, she's got these braces on her arms that I guess help her to move the little bit that she's able to move. And she is an incredible testimony of the power of God in weakness. And virtually everything she says, everything that she writes is worth reading. Um, and one of the things, I've, I've said this before to you guys, but, you know, there's other, another famous, impressive Christian out there, somebody like Tim Tebow. But I always like to compare Tim Tebow to, to Johnny Erickson Tata. Because Tim Tebow is a guy that seems to have it all together, right? The guy has it all. What does Tim Tebow not have? You know, except for, like, the respective, you know, ESPN analysts, I guess, who tell him to, you need to put, it, put, the, put the cleats away, Tebow. Um, but, you know, it's like good looks, the body, the spouse, the money, the popular. I mean, it's like, what does he not have, right? But he's an awesome believer and a great testimony. He serves God with what he has. But contrast him with Johnny Erickson Tata. And it's, it's easy to go to Johnny Erickson Tata, like, remember how what Satan said to God about Job? God, the reason that Job worships you is because he's got all this stuff. And, and if, if I take away that stuff, then he will stop worshiping you, God. He'll curse you. And that's the, the, the test that Satan proposed to God. Well, so you can look at, at Tebow, and you can say, well, of course he lives his life the way he should. And of course he gives honor and glory to God. Look at all he has. But contrast that with a Johnny Erickson Tata, who lives every day of her life in unbelievable pain. Not, in other words, not just having to be in a wheelchair, and not just the lack of use of her limbs, but unbelievable pain every single day. So this is what she says. I sure hope I can bring this wheelchair to heaven. Now I know that's not theologically correct, but I hope to bring it and put it in a little corner of heaven. And then in my new, perfect, glorified body, standing on grateful, glorified legs, I'll stand next to my Savior, holding his nail-pierced hands. I'll say, thank you, Jesus. And he will know that I mean it because he knows me. He'll recognize me from the fellowship we're now sharing in his sufferings. And I will say, Jesus, do you see that wheelchair? You were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble because that thing was a lot of trouble. But the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. It never would have happened had you not given me the bruising of the blessing of that wheelchair. Then the real ticker tape parade of praise will begin, and all of earth will join in the party. And at that point, Christ will open up our eyes to the great fountain of joy in his heart for us beyond all that we've ever experienced on earth. And when we're able to stop laughing and crying, the Lord Jesus really will wipe away our tears. 
I find it so poignant that finally at the point when I do have the use of my arms to wipe away my own tears, I won't have to because God will. I love that. And then she said in another place, I will always say that in a way I hope I can take my wheelchair to heaven with me. I know that's not biblically correct, but if I were able, I would have my wheelchair up in heaven right next to me when God gives me my brand new glorified body. And I will then turn to Jesus and say, Lord, do you see that wheelchair right there? Well, you were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble because that wheelchair was a lot of trouble. But Jesus, the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. So thank you you, for what you did in my life through that wheelchair. And I always say jokingly, you can send that wheelchair to hell if you want. That thought tickles me, but not long ago when someone heard me say that, they replied, oh, Joni, you can't mean that. Look at how God has changed you through your wheelchair. Look how close you've drawn to Jesus because of it. And look at the ministry that came through it and all the people reached. Please don't say you want, to, want God to kick it out of heaven my friend said, why the Lord Jesus just might transform it into something golden and glorious, studded with beautiful jewels for every person you've reached for Christ through that wheelchair of yours. And you know what? She had me. She stumped me. After all, the Bible does say that it has been given to us to suffer for his sake. My wheelchair is a gift from God. A gift. I never would have chosen this gift But since God chose it for me, I'll take it as a gift, hard as though it may be at times. So there may be such a thing in heaven as holy wheelchairs. If God's throne has wheels, and the book of Daniel makes it crystal clear it does, then who am I to say that there won't be other chairs in heaven with wheels on them too? Not to sit in, thank the Lord, but wheelchairs as symbols of the bruisings of a blessing that God has given people like me when he had blessed us with the gift of suffering. So friend, listen, if you are in a wheelchair or using a walker or a cane or crutch, try imagining it gilded and golded, encrusted in jewels. Oh, it's a strange and humorous picture. But remember, it is a gift that causes you to be weak. And the weaker you are, the stronger you will discover your Lord and Savior to be. More than 40 years in my wheelchair has taught me that and in heaven whether or not my old wheelchair is parked up there by the gates of of Pearl, feel free to join me in dropping on brand new, grateful, glorified knees before our Savior for all he has done through our sufferings, yours and mine. There's such a powerful, powerful message that is communicated through people with disabilities. Um, And you just see just such incredible Uh, appreciation and recognition for the power of God's presence in their life. And Johnny Erickson Tata is such an incredible example of that. Guys, we want to own our weakness, not just try to dump it. Guys, let's let's share our weakness with one another, not not deny it and hide it. And let's, let's see our weakness as an asset, not as a hindrance. So I'm going to pray now, and then we're going to transition to communion and wrap ourselves up here. Father, Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that 
Father, you have given us examples of people like Johnny Erickson Tata. Lord, we, we so want to run in life, but we are stuck. Lord, we, like Johnny, we are stuck in wheelchairs of circumstance. God, maybe it's health, financial, relationship. God, things that are going on around us, Lord, we, <laughs> this world is so broken. Our lives are broken. God, and, and you see that and you know it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a church that walks together with you in our weakness, Lord, because we want to experience more and more of your power. God, we are a tiny, insignificant little church. God, we, we make no waves in our community. We don't do anything that catches anybody's attention, Lord. But it is your power working in and through us, Lord, individually, God, that transforms and changes what happens, God. Lord, we want to lean into our weakness, Father. We want, to, we want to not deny it. Lord, help me to be a leader that acknowledges, Lord, my shortcomings. Lord, the things that I wish I could be better at, the things that I wish I could do, Father, for your kingdom and for your glory. But Lord, none of that is what does it. Lord, it is your power in our life. Lord, in our weakness, we are strong. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're going to have communion, and the way we're going to do it is um, I'm just going to pray, and uh, then Nate's going to play behind us here, and you can have a moment of silence as you'd like, and then uh, just come on up and, and grab it and take it when you'd like, and then, then I will close this in prayer, and then we'll, we'll have one more song. I, I do want to highlight one other verse from 2 Corinthians. One chapter later, listen to this parallel verse to what we just read. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. I mean, that's kind of like mind-blowing to me a little bit. The weakness of Jesus is the power of God. Guys, what, if that's true in Jesus' life, then it's true in our lives. I mean, here's, here's a guy who walks on water. Here's a guy who uh, speaks food into existence, who heals people just by touching them, has had the ability to read people's mind. I mean, and it was through his weakness, laying himself down on the cross that the power of God was exhibited. As if that's in our perfect holy Savior, the creator of the world, that's true of him, then it is true of you. So guys, as you're thinking about this and this, this thing we're doing in remembrance of his broken body, his spilled blood, think of all the brokenness that's in your life and own it. Say, that is my weakness. That's what, that's what God's put me. That's where I am because I want more and more of his power in my life so that I can live with him the way he wants me to live in his power. Let me pray. Father, I pray you'd search our hearts now. God, help us to come, bring to mind, Lord, the, the weaknesses in our lives, maybe the things that, that I'm sure that everybody in this room can instantly think of something that's a problem they wish you could fix. But Lord, there might also be other things that we're just kind of in self-denial about. 
Lord, that we just need to recognize, Lord, this is where we are. God, I pray that you'd bring those to mind. And Father, I pray that you would help us in this moment to be reminded that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God laid down his life on my behalf. Lord, he went to the cross, the place that I deserve to be so that I can have life and experience his power. Father, we do this now in remembrance of you.